0: Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. This episode will be on House of the Dragon Episode 6, The Princess and the Queen. Hello movie friends, welcome back to the show. It's another Tuesday, that means another House of the Dragon review, and this episode was excellent. We had so much going on, plus a major new player politically in terms of scheming. Scheming. At we have a new little of, finger. An, basically a at the end finger. of the episode. Yeah. But real quick, I want to go over a bunch of new characters that we're introduced to, because obviously this is the first episode with the time jump, and now Rhaenyra is a mother and Damon's a father. So we have a bunch of new Valerian and Targaryen kids that we have to be introduced to, so... Rhaenyra's children are named Jakaris, Lucerys, and her new son, who was born at the beginning of the episode, Joffrey Valerian. And then we got our first glimpse at Aegon Targaryen, who looks just like Mike from Stranger Things yeah, with blonde I hair. I was like, is that Mike <laughs> from Stranger Things? Is that Finn Wolfhard? <laughs> <laughs> and then Aemon's a Targaryen as his younger brother. And then we have children for Daemon and his wife, Lena. We have Rhaena Targaryen, as well as Bela Targaryen. So a bunch of new Valerian Targaryen kids all introduced to the show, which makes me excited for the the length of the show and to watch these kids grow up and become major players in the game. And now it totally makes sense why they had to get new actors for both Alicent and Rhaenyra because the other two actors... They would have looked like the same age as their kids yeah. if they kept if they played their mothers. Whereas Emma De and Olivia Cook, they look like the, you know young thirties. They could have three kids by now. Like our mom had tw- had six kids by twenty eight, so it makes total sense that uh, two women in their early thirties would have multiple kids, some of them in their teenage years. So it ha- they had to cast older actresses. The other two were just too young looking, even if they. I'm not how sure their exact ages, but even if they were in their mid twenties, they look too young. I think they're about twenty, twenty-one, yeah. something like that. So the so, kids, like like Aegon would Aegon would have looked like the same the age, same as Daenerys. Yeah. So they had to. Now Olivia Cook and Emma D'Arcy have taken over the roles of Alison Hightower and Princess Raina Targaryen, plus a lot of Rhaenyra. the main. I'm 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 sorry, Princess Rhaena. What did I say? Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. <laughs> Rhaenyra. Sorry, we Rhaena. Sorry, so many names. Most of the actors and characters have remained the same. Obviously, Paddy Constantine is almost at his full evolution of becoming Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He as, looks so old. As Viserys Targaryen. Oh, poor guy. Poor Matt poor guy. Smith, obviously, is reclaiming his role. So a lot of the actors are the same. Kristen Cole, same actor and everything like that. But, but what's good, Kristen Cole, that actor, he seems older. Exactly. Like, the actor did a great job of seeming very youthful, and now he seems very mature uh, his just the way he moves and speaks is—he is, seems much more mature. Damon's wife, Lady Lena Valerian, was is now played by Nana Blondell. And then, who else do we have that had an age change? Um, Raynera's husband, who is now played by—give me one second—John McMillan. So, lots of new actors, older actors stepping in for the roles of these characters who have gone through quick major changes in their time jumps. It's interesting that the sh- the show opened with a pregnancy from uh reynera because it's like not what she wanted but then we realized that she has now three kids at such a young age so she did become someone who has produced a lot of offspring which is, isn't what she wanted however there's so much there's so much controversy yeah. with her offspring and there's this episode has two births one successful at the beginning which i thought was an incredible opening to this episode we have this emotional birth from reynera and then an incredible long take that must have lasted a minute and a half, maybe two minutes long, of her and Laenor making their way from the birthing chamber all the way to Alison's chamber. All one take, didn't cut until we were in the in the room with Alison. It was incredible filmmaking. And huge sets. And Laenor named the boy Joffrey after his former lover, who Kristen Cole beat to death in that wedding sequence. <laughs> to a bloody pulp. <laughs> oh my goodness. So... Obviously, the biggest controversy in King's Landing that no one wants to talk about for the last 10 years almost is that Rhaenyra is clearly not making children with Laenor and instead has been having a secret affair with Harwin, who is the son of the Hand of the King, Lionel, and brother to Linus, the the conniving little finger Laris. La- Oh, Larys, larris just, just think larry but game of thrones <laughs> larry. The version of larry larris <laughs> larris <laughs> the name's larry Lionel is the hand of the king yes. and then Harwin is the is the brother yeah the commander of the of the uh, city watch and it's he's he's he seems clearly like, he seems like a good dad he's clearly the dad too yeah. for someone who's like who can't be around he seems like he cares about the kids you know what i mean and it's, this is the biggest controversy that's reigning over raenira and also over their house the the, the Lionel and his house and his family. And everyone knows it, everyone sees it with their eyes, except for Viserys, who is willfully blind, which is a common phrase said in this episode. It's like Jamie and Cersei being together, like, everybody knew it, but no one ever did anything about it. Exactly. Same kind of thing. So it's, it's a huge controversy, because this spoils the supposed marriage pact that was created by the Valerians and the Targaryens, and I'm so curious, we didn't get Lord Corlys in this episode, what his thoughts on this matter are. Yeah, because, and also, the kids have, they're not even, they don't even look like Targaryens, they... They don't have blonde hair, they have dark brown hair. Um, and so the the Har- the strong genes basically took over in terms of what the kids look like. They look like the father. The Dark hair of the- yeah. They look yeah. just like Harwin. Yeah, it's like black of hair. And everyone's making fun of the, the fact that like, oh maybe you'll finally have maybe next time you'll have a, a child yeah. who resembles uh Laenor. And I love Damon says, Does he resemble the, the, the Night's Watch leader? <laughs> <laughs> the City Watch Commander. <laughs> Allison wants her out though. Allison is bloodthirsty. And but like she she has a point. She's like this is like not the way the tradition this is not the way it should be done. Like we are like high society families, we're very important families, like we can't be breeding we need to make our own kin, essentially, is what she's saying and, and She's trying to convince Viserys to see it, but Viserys knows it, but he won't. He won't accept it. Well, Allison's just more worried about the political ramifications of yeah. not committing to the deal that they made with the Corliss with Corliss and the Valarions because they're supposed to be making heirs that are of Valarian blood and Targaryen blood, but they mm-hmm. are not Valarian. Yeah. Clearly, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough situation for Corliss because. This might make him rebel. I mean, I don't know. We don't know if he's seen the kids yet. He must have. He has to. He have. has to. Have. We'll find out. But we, again, we haven't watched the teaser. You know, for the next he's episode. like, he's like, oh, man, we can't even make. Came with my like, can't even make one of my own kin. This was the whole plan. This was the deal. So, I I would see the Lord Corlys being motivated to rebel against Westeros. Same, and I can see him continuing and making another pact with Daemon, who clearly fulfilled his oath of birthing children with Lena. And he seems like a completely changed man, Damon. He it seems like fatherhood has subdued him, or just made him calmer. And he's kind of just like been—he's like sort of a, um, a Michael uh, Marcus Aurelius type at the end of his reign, where he's just a philosopher. He's just poring over the history of Westeros and the Targaryens and won't leave the library. And he doesn't want to go back to the politics of Westeros. He's. Uh, he's contemplating accepting that ju- accepting that juicy offer to remain wherever they are. I can't remember what city they are in and, and just basically be the protectors and make a deal with them for gold. And he's like, we don't have to go back to the politics. and like, Basically be like a mercenary ju- for hire yeah, with their just, dragons. And they don't have to worry about anything. And they don't have to worry about getting assassinated or death or vying for the throne. He seems like a completely changed man until the end of the episode. Yeah, it seems as though it seems like he has ex- accepted his defeat. In some capacity, because he was vying for the throne in the first several episodes, and then now so much time has passed, and it looks like he might be learning from the other Targaryen lords and leaders, And but it seems like he's kind of gave up on trying to get the throne, and then maybe his wife's death will reignite his his desire for being in power. It looks like he doesn't even want power anymore in this episode. Uh, I think it's because he lost all of his plans uh, failed in the first few episodes. And so he might have just been like, oh, damn, screw it. I'm just going to live fat and happy and be rich and powerful elsewhere. But then his wife's death uh, during childbirth, uh, I think, changed him. And also her so they had a couple of great dialogue scenes together where I think she, she kind of reignited his passion maybe for trying to uh, become a leader in Westeros. That's what enticed her to Yeah, him. yeah exactly. That's that's, old that's Damon. What, yeah, exactly. Like she like when he was like when he showed up at the wedding celebration, she was like, Oh, this guy's oh cool. My God. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we all felt that. <laughs> <laughs> and the what's interesting is the childbirth sequence uh for Lena was identical to Viserys' wife's in the opening of the show. And Damon was given the exact same choice as Viserys of cutting open the the mother to try and save the child, even though that wasn't a hundred percent going to succeed, and where Viserys agreed to do it to save the heir, Damon said, "No, I don't want to do that." And then he, uh, then Lena, without him knowing, uh, decided to commit suicide um, rather than suffering, for, r- rather than having her and both her child suffer. She uh, had. She asked her dragon to kill them. She went out on her own terms, yeah. and you have to respect Damon for not making the same mistake that Viserys did. Because Viserys was so desperate for an heir, and he had only daughters, he wanted a son. Damon, even though he has daughters, he was not desperate to just to have. I need a son. He wanted to say he loved. You can tell it. I don't know if they loved each other, Lena and Damon, maybe. Maybe there was love there, but they both understood their situation at the same time. Even she says it on the rooftop, like, I've made peace with my decision with our, our wedding and our political arrangement. They seem to do care for each other very much, and that's why Damon, I think, just doesn't— Decide to have her killed to save or potentially save the child. Well, yeah, I mean, she kind of tamed him for a bit, a little bit. I don't know if she tamed him, but I think fatherhood tamed him in loss. But we also don't know. Maybe he's just been patient and biding his time. I think failure. I think failure really affected him. It seems like it. Or losing Raynera, losing everything, losing Raynera, and also losing his vibe for the throne. I think all of his plans failing kind of made him basically escape into in like his. He's like self-imposed exile upon himself. You know what I mean? In a way, yeah. But I would say that even though his wife has now passed and she died, now opens up maybe the potential possibility to be reunited with Rhaenyra. And he's got three dragon riders on his side. And I guarantee he forms an alliance with Lord Corlys because I, I, I've seen this still from the next episode and he seems to be surrounded by the Valerians and with so his the, family yeah, they as went, well. Yeah. So it seems like maybe they potentially go see them to Driftwood. And maybe it's got to be yeah they Maybe must. there maybe there's going to be a new play for the throne or a new maybe a war between them all because we're still waiting for the big civil war to happen right for the Targaryen civil war so mm. I guarantee this is maybe starting to get things rolling finally My guess is this season will be the catalyst for the war and we'll see like the beginnings of it but it would make sense because he had Valerian children, so Corlys would be like, "Yeah, these are my kin." Whereas if he saw if he goes to Rhaenyra's kids, he's like, "These aren't my grandchildren. They they aren't Valerian. They're Targaryen, but they're not Valerian, So why would I be committed to this house and committed to the realm?" Yeah, Lord Corlys only made the deal on the assumption in, in pact that. They would be of Valyrian blood as well. He even seceded succeeded the fact that they would be Targaryen named as they assumed the throne. He accepted that. He accepted those terms as long as his blood was on the throne and his blood were heirs. But his blood is not going to be on the throne through Rhaenyra's bloodline. Yeah, it's it's really complicated. It, looks, it seems like it's going to be um, those two allying together. And so we have that. So much drama! So much drama. And there's still so much to talk about from this episode. And I like Allison. I think that she's become a really strong person. She seems to uh, exert a lot of dominance over the king and over rooms. She's uh, very vocal on the council. And people seem to fear her in a lot of ways, like when they see her in a room. And she seems to be probably one of the strongest characters right now. I think she learned... Because she was kind of like... Yes, she was playing her part when she was younger... Um, but she wasn't as vocal and was a little more passive. And she would kind of accept things and kind of just have to be like, I can't do anything about it. But now she's, she's extremely vocal and basically controls every room she's in in a lot of ways. And she's a schemer now. Schemer. When she wasn't really in her youth, it's not until that conversation she had with her father Otto at the beginning of episode five, where she understood her situation and the situation of her sons. And then that's obviously when she walks in on Aegon, who's you know doing the doing a deed outside the window. <laughs> very, I love Aegon. He's very, funny. Succession like. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Have you ever seen Succession? He's you know, Romulus. About... <laughs> he's Romulus. <laughs> um, because he doesn't understand. Aegon doesn't understand yet the position he's in. He is the challenge for the throne for the eventual situation where Viserys passes and Rhaenyra is going to be queen. He, she's trying to get him to understand just because you're friends with your cousins and you all get along to an extent, I mean, besides that pig joke on the on uh, Amon, <laughs> which was so mean and funny <laughs> at the same time. They put wings and a tail on it. <laughs> They're going to be bloodthirsty for the throne, even though Viserys is trying to. He's willfully blind. He's watching them fight together and learn fighting from Kristen Cole together, and seeing like they're, they're going to form a lifelong bond. There's no way they won't be best <laughs> friends. It's like, yeah, right, bro. Wait no until way. they're actually adults and going for the throne. They're going to be cutthroat and trying to take each other out. They're going to be warring because. Viserys is gonna die eventually. He seems to be, and I didn't even realize his arm was gone it's until gone! <laughs> until like say the second scene, because they kind of hit it in his first scene where he took the babe. Yeah, but then there's a great wide yeah, shot. Yeah, and of then it. The, then you see the wide. You're like, oh my god, one of his arms is gone. So they just chopped it off, and he just he's so pale and weak, and his hair's almost gone. He's just he's really very close to death. He's gonna die very soon. He's definitely gonna die in this season. He has to. And then what's gonna happen? Because Rhaenyra is the heir the named heir but allison is like you're not you have betrayed uh your duties you betrayed the throne and you have begun an incestuous affair not an affair with someone who isn't even of valerian blood so that could result in renera's death and the death of her children so they shouldn't i think allison's viewing it as she should not be allowed to be queen once viserys passes because she has betrayed the realm and betrayed her duty as a princess and as the named heir. So Alicent sees it as, she can't be the queen, it has to be my family, and ha- and it has to be Aegon. And Rhaenyra, at the end of the episode, takes Laenor's advice of being a sailor, and sailing and avoiding the storm, That's c- the approaching storm, and they're going to run away to Dragonstone for the time being. Where I think that Rhaenyra, at the end of this episode, she's starting to begin a plan of, I need to build my own army. I need to build my own um, loyal following. And then I can make a play for the throne. Because she's kind of... She's very vulnerable here. She has nothing except for her title, which can, which will be basically worthless once Allison goes after her, once Viserys dies. So I think Renera's realizing I need to have a force behind me if I'm going to make a play for the throne. Now let's get to some more even juicy stuff that juicy. happened this episode. So this character... Um, Larys. Larry. Larry. <laughs> Larys, <laughs> who you could tell at some point in the season was going to be a major factor because he kind of just showed up and was in major scenes where he didn't yeah. really know who they once who he was. Once his dad got promoted, then he showed up. So his father yeah. is Hand of the King, Lionel, who tries to resign his position because he understands, they all know that Harwin is really the father of Raynera's children, and he tries to resign his post because he can no longer give objective and non-biased counsel to the King Viserys. He's the best hand of the king since Ned. He really is. Yeah, he has been terrific. Well, actually, yeah, Tyrion was a great hand of the king too. Oh yeah, when he eventually became yeah. There's been a lot of good although Tyrion did make poor decisions sometimes. That well, were are unbiased. Did, he did save the city though. True. He saved True. he saved the city. True. Anyways, that takes place for a hundred, a couple hundred years. Of yeah, life. I'm getting ahead of myself. Way ahead of yourself. <laughs> but there's also the son, Laris, who is Harwin's brother. Who's just been in the ear of Allison? You can tell for the last ten years they have dinner together. I wonder how many private meetings they have. They spill gossip with each other and they scheme together. And Allison obviously brings up she brings up the issue between Raynera and Harwin. Harwin several times, yeah. and he knows this. Ly- Laris knows this, and Larissa takes it upon himself to after his after Harwin is exiled to their palace with his father. Harwin, I mean Lionel, takes him there. He kills. His own father and his own brother burns his castle to the ground. Yeah. In order to basically blackmail Allison into a major favor later on and to basically blackmail her into being um, desperate. I mean, not desperate, being uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Beholden to him? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I owe you. Yeah, she owes him. Yeah, she, it's a big IOU. There's, there's a word. It's a big <laughs> IOU. That, that's a car. You might want to hold on to that one. <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because it's what it's, it solves Allison's problem. But she, I like how Allison was like, I didn't ask you to friggin murder them. Are you insane? And Laris, he seems like he's our little finger. Because in the first couple of episodes that he was in, he just had minor conversations. But he's, he's a very good actor. And I was like, well, "There's a reason why this character is showing up." I think specifically the hunt in the episode two. I think he was just he was talking with the queen and all those other royal women. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, Who in, is this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he then he spoke to Allison in, in the um in the sacred garden. And he seems like he's gonna be such a huge player in the show now. And he's got this bumblebee symbology. There's like the bee on his staff, and then his followers when he cuts out their tongues. And recruits them for the job. I scream! What a great, what a great! Uh, you were screaming. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch. <laughs> it was great. It was so cool. And then um, those were his little assassins that killed the the strong family. They had little bumblebee emblems on their uh, on their chests. So that's his, must be the sign of his. I'm not sure if it's the, the sign of the house of strong. I'll have, to, I'll have to look into it, but maybe it's like his own little custom-made sigil that he prepared for himself. <laughs> like I love Bumblebees, but it might be the it might be the sigil for strong. How strong? But I'll have maybe, to look it up. Maybe. But I think he's going to be a great character. He's he's really fascinating, and it seems like it's an ally that you don't want because you can't trust him and he's unpredictable, and he seems to be probably the most intelligent person in the show so far. And he killed his own family. Yeah, ruthless. Burn them alive. Yeah. His brother and his father. I understand if you don't really like your brother... Your dad, but, like, to murder them? Oh, my God. It's insane. It's crazy. I, it blew my mind. It is yeah. such a great third act of this episode. It is incredible. But, yeah, he's playing. He's laying out his schemes. They think he's going to be very dangerous. Even though he's an ally with Alicent, he's still dangerous to her. There's also a ton of dragons in this episode. I love Damon and Lena riding their dragons together. And Lena had the it's largest no dragon. No hands. <laughs> <laughs> had the largest dragon in Westeros. Yeah. Huge. And, obviously, there's a, a theme of dragons take a while to hatch and it's if unpredictable they yeah. when they do hatch and some of the Valer- some of the targaryens and valerians have dragons some of them don't so aemon does not have a dragon his egg has not hatched yet same with um which uh daemon's daughter which one i think it was the hold, younger one hold on give me one sec one sec one sec so many new names so many new names his daughter reyna targaryen so or is it Reyna and is yeah, Reyna. the one yeah. whose dragon hasn't hatched yet. Yeah, she's she's, she's the one by the fireplace. And her scene. father, yeah. I mean, her, in, her, in her her mother tells her that her egg didn't hatch till she was fifteen, and now she has the largest dragon in Westeros. And same thing with Aemon; he seems to feel less of a Targaryen because his dragon has not hatched yet. And, and Damon obviously cl- pays closer attention to his daughter who has the hatched egg. The other one feels like she he hardly r- notices her, but I think that'll probably change. So. I like the the thematic elements of the dragon eggs hatch when they're ready and yeah. you have to wait. You don't just get a dragon right away. Yeah. And uh it could be like I think Targaryens who really believe in their history and traditions, they might view it as the gods haven't chosen them to be like a full blooded Targaryen. Maybe it's like it's it, it wasn't meant to be for them to have dragons, so maybe that's why he views the other he he that's why he gives more attention to the sister who ha- to the daughter who has a dragon. Because she's like a fully formed Targaryen. But also, her mother tells her that she didn't get her dragon until she was 15. So she's still much younger than 15. Oh, there's also another Targaryen kid that we forgot to bring up. So Princess... Helena Targaryen, the daughter of Alicent and Viserys, was in this episode as well. Oh, yeah, with the, with the bugs. Yeah. She, like, loves the... The big centipede. Yeah, the, ugh, the, the, creepy. the millipede. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and and Alicent's like, so, you like bugs? <laughs> <laughs> we got a quick shot of Jason Lannister. He's in the council now, so I'm sure we'll get more of the Lannister family here. Otto Hightower was not in this episode. I'm he sure he will be. I'm sure he'll Did be. you watch the trailer for the rest of the season? No, they they I, released a trailer that's, like, a, a rest-of-the-season trailer and it looks great. I've just seen some stills and any other new characters to talk about of notability. Just a bunch, a bunch of other people. Um, I think that wraps up this episode, though. Yeah, so... But I think uh, all the new cast members are terrific. It's been, even, um, I think the relationship with Rainer, Rhaenyra and um, Leonor is really great. That new actor has been doing a solid job, and it's a complex marriage they have. There's no love between them. It's just arrangement, and she kind of... Wakes him up into being like you, you. He's like, I've been committed to this. I've been here for ten years. She's like, you've been just like living it up and spending money and sleeping with guys and just like eating all eating and drinking to your fill and just enjoying the life of of a wealthy elitist and not really being committed to this partnership that we agreed upon. And so I think they had a great conflict and then eventually they they seem to make amends by well, the end. She orders yeah. him that you have to stay. Yeah, here. yeah. But there's a, gr- a lot of conflict, but by the end, yeah, she's like, we're leaving, but take your lover with you the show that was a sign of respect and a sign of I need you, but I also want you to still be happy and live your life in some capacity, even though we, we won't be in King's landing anymore. And so it looks like their, their partnership, it had a rough patch for sure, especially because he was often drunk when he's around her, but it seems like they're going to become much closer, um, allies in their marriage is going to be a, a, a little stronger politically going forward show is getting better and better yeah. every week yeah, episodes yeah. are just knocking me up knocking me back man yeah. and then it's 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 at first a little weird without the other actresses but it's like you within 10 minutes you're like okay these are the new actors emma DeAr- yeah. both are tremendous actresses yeah. but yeah. emma d'arcy really does that a great little smirk that Millie yeah. Alcock was doing like yeah. a little side smirk with just a corner of her mouth. She's like doing the same mannerisms that she was doing, which is yeah. really like making me the the transition really seamless for me. Yeah, hundred percent. And also, Olivia Cook has a much deeper voice than the other actress, so it's it's it feels like she's aged a lot. You know what I mean? Great performances. Yeah. The show is excellent. This wraps our episode on episode six of House of the There's Dragon. There's still five more. The princess and the queen. Lots happening. Already lost some major players. Disappointed that we lost Harwin and and Lionel and Lena already. But, hey, it is what it is. It's yeah, Game it's, of it's just often people. <laughs> oh my that's God. what happens in yeah. the show. Make sure to stay tuned for next week on Tuesday, Episode 7 of House of the Dragon Review. We did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World yesterday, if you want to check that out. And this Thursday, we have an episode on Scarface coming out. Say hello to my little friend. Take care, everybody. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.